Thanks for joining us again at World Cup Coffee and Tea, Northwest 18th and Gleason, for another OMN Coffee Shop Conversation. I'm Tom D'Antoni, and joining me today is Douglas Dietrich, the Executive Director of Portland Jazz Composers Ensemble, which I have been covering since before it was a real organization, about 10 years ago, and before there was an OMN. <laughs> since he became Executive Director, he, along with Ryan Marr and Mika Brueggemann-Smith, have made PJCE a real cultural force in Oregon. They've got a large amount of concerts and events coming this fall, and we're going to get the inside scoop on all of them. Douglas is also a trumpeter, composer, arranger, and how does he have time for all this and his two little kids? Well, let's meet him. Welcome to the Cupping Room. Thanks for having That's me. That's where we are. Yeah. <laughs> at uh, World Cup Coffee and Tea, our uh, home for OMN Coffee Shop Conversations. Now, do you prefer to be called Douglas or Doug? Uh, probably Douglas, yeah. Really? In this, well, in this context, yeah. That's pretty formal. <laughs> yeah. It's just, you know, keep it, keep it profesh. You I didn't watch it. Twin Peaks this season, did you? I did not. Okay. Because there's a Dougie. Oh. character in there that uh, you probably wouldn't want to be identified with. <laughs> yeah, oh, okay. I'll have to check it out. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Portland Jazz Composers Ensemble has been around for how long now? Ten years. No. Yes. No, that's not yes. possible. It's, I know it's crazy, but it's still, um, it's still good. You want a little... Yeah, I, so ten years, it's... it's Unbelievable, yeah. And you've been there the whole time? No. Um, ah. I didn't, I, I, let's see, I did one concert about nearly four years ago now, uh-huh. and then um, it, that was right after Andrew Oliver had left town, Yeah, gone to London. Um, I did the one concert, and then the board, right after that, or maybe it was right before the concert, I don't quite remember, but the board <laughs> then was saying, we need to get a new executive director, uh-huh. um, so they did a, they did a, a search and and here I am. Wow. Yeah. So, so but but you're also a musician. I am. Yeah. And a composer. Yeah. That's unusual. It is. It is. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 uh you're right because it's I think what you're pointing out is that cuz I had to be the administrator and the fundraiser and all that stuff too. Yeah. And run the band and occasionally also be an artist at at some points too. So um so yeah, it is a big challenge. It's a hard job and but it's been a lot of fun to do. It's been amazing to see the growth huh. of the organization. Huh. So it was founded by Andrew Oliver. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And it wasn't an organization, was it? <laughs> <laughs> Not really. No, it's, it was, uh, from what I understand, it was very uh, informal. It was mostly yeah. a group of PSU graduates yeah. who had been in the jazz program there, and they'd been in the uh-huh. big band there, uh-huh. and then they graduated, and they wanted to keep having a big band. So they formed their own big band, and, you know... From what I understand, they got together to play each other's music. And, yeah. And then eventually, you know, at first the goal wasn't even to play concerts. The goal was just to hang and play. Um, yeah. yeah. And then eventually they did do concerts, and, and then they started doing them regularly. And, you know, and then so we, they kind of settled into doing, you know, basically one per quarter. Yeah. And that's kind of where we are still. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Although we're doing a lot more concerts than, than we used to. So. That's good. Yeah. Uh, at first, it, was, ba- it, was, it was, was hardly even, it was one a year almost, and usually at the old church. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'll never forget. 
one year. It was real early on. And Durkin was conducting one of his pieces, Andrew Durkin. Yeah. The <laughs> one and only. And, and for, I, I mean, I knew he was funny. Mm. Uh, but I, I don't think the audience um, really knew what, was, what they were in, had in store for. Because um, like traditional big bands who have a section stand up, and they all, they all swing bands, like the, mm-hmm. the, uh, the trumpets will stand up and then sit down. And, and, uh, he had random people stand up and <laughs> sit down at random times, yeah. even when they weren't soloing. Yeah, I <laughs> Very funny, very yeah. funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I believe it. I mean, even just the recordings, I've seen some videos of the band. I heard them once in Eugene, and yeah. it was at a, you know, unforgettable. So, yeah. <laughs> so... Um, you've got there's so much, so much to talk about. Because you've got so many things going on. Yeah. Um, let's let's talk about the new season. Sure. Yeah. Well, the the new season, the kind of official announcement is coming out very soon. There's like a couple last little details to settle, but I'm mm-hmm. very happy to give a sneak peek. Um, we have. Uh, let's see. Okay. So the first kind of the first official event we have coming up is. Um, part of a big project that's going on all year. It's called From Maxville to Vanport. Um, and so this is a, a big project that's being funded by the Oregon Community Foundation. Mm-hmm. We're really excited to, to do that. They, they're giving us $80,000 to do this project, wow. which is unbelievable. Yeah. And, um, and we're going to use every cent of it. I'll um, bet. Because it's a giant project. Um, we're going to be... So we're, what we're doing is... Um, We've, we're commissioning uh, Renee Mitchell to mm-hmm. write poetry about these two towns that are very unique in Oregon's history because mm-hmm. they were both towns that were built to, to house these multicultural workforces that mm-hmm. were, you know, at that time in, New York, in, in Oregon was really unusual. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah. And so one of them, Maxville, was a, a small logging town in Wallowa County. And... Um, just about 400 people or so lived there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you think of, uh, you know, you think of these descendants of the pioneers or whoever, whoever's living in Eastern Oregon. I mean, you think of white people and that's, you know, you're, you'd be forgiven for doing so because that's still pretty much the way it is now. Yeah. But um, the, the company that owned this town, they, and they were running the logging operation, they brought in their own workforce uh-huh. And so, you know, about 10% of them were black. Many of them were Greek and uh, immigrants from other parts of the world, um, which is just, uh, at that time in Oregon, this was 1921, I believe. Mm-hmm. And um, so at that time in the Oregon, the, the Ku Klux Klan was very active and yeah. was certainly active um, even in Eastern Oregon, in small mm-hmm. towns in Eastern Oregon. So, um, so what we, you know, what we want to do with this music, um, and again, we're, uh, Renee Mitchell will be writing text. Ezra Weiss is going to be setting setting that text to music. Mm-hmm. Um, Marilyn Keller is singing. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have we are going to have a, vid- uh, a video artist. That's part of the project as well. That I yeah. that's in flux. I'm still <laughs> analyzing who that's, who that's going to be. But yeah. Um, and so we're performing the music um, in Wallowa County in April. We'll come back to Portland and do it in May. And then we're going to go into the studio and record all the music. It'll come out on, on an album. And, and then kind of... Uh, and then before all that, you know, one thing that's really important to us about this project is that it's a community-guided 
piece mm-hmm. so that we you know we know that these stories these histories of Maxville and Vanport of course which um, they're 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 incredibly personal yeah. you know especially yeah. to Oregonians of color and you know we want to treat that story as respectfully and mm-hmm. inclusively as possible so mm-hmm. we've we've put up together these two events that we're calling kind of uh, community input events. Yeah. And so the first one is coming up September 30th. It's at the Oregon Historical Society. And um, we're inviting anyone who is interested in jazz, of course, Mm -hmm. but even more interested in Oregon's history and how it's told and inviting them to come, Mm -hmm. hear what we're up to, and tell us what they think, ask questions, all that stuff. Wow. So, so yeah, so that's, that's that project. Um, we're going to be celebrating our 10th anniversary at um, the Fremont Theater on October 20th. Uh-huh. And so... Yeah. Is, that, that's, is that when the, when the, the Vanport Project will, will um, debut, or, or is that later on? That's going to be later on. Okay. Yeah. So okay. October is... So we're talking, this own, is a different thing we're talking about. Yeah, I know. Right. Okay. We're we have turned the page. <laughs> we have. <laughs> yeah. So the, the 10th anniversary party is going to be kind of a short concert. It's a fundraising... Uh, kind of a fundraiser concert, uh-huh. um, nice cocktails, appetizers, uh-huh. the whole nine. Um, uh-huh. Kind of a short concert with the band um, and cake, of course. Of course, yes. So, <laughs> and then uh, in the winter, moving on to our winter program, we're um, we're doing a collaborative concert with Edna Vasquez. Uh-huh. Which I'm really excited about. Um, so Edna is going to be bringing some new songs and some of her old songs, mm-hmm. um, and then we're going to be pairing. Uh, each song with an arranger. Um, so those, those arrangers are going to be uh, me, um, Kathleen Hollingsworth, uh, and then also Bill Marsh, who plays guitar uh-huh. in uh-huh. Edna's band. Yeah. Uh, so obviously knows her music really, really well. So when you, when you, get, a, when, when, when you get to do that, uh, uh, arrange, how do you approach that? It's a great question. Thank um, you. <laughs> you're full of I love when people say that uh-huh. <laughs> even if they don't mean it yeah um, yeah I mean it's you know it's individual of course I think to the to each arranger but um, Edna's she's working right now on she'll have some demos to us very soon and so just simple recordings of her performing the song on her own and mm-hmm. she'll kind of tell us what what the song means to her maybe what she'd like to hear but you know at the same time once the arranger gets the song then they're like you know, how do I make use of all those 12 musicians that we've got? Yeah. You know, how, do we, how do we bring the song out? How do we, you know, both uh, let Edna sound great, uh-huh. which she does all the time, but, uh, you know, how do we make space for her to do her thing, but also make space for the jazz musicians to do their thing, too? You know, and I think that that's, that's kind of the balance that they're doing. So the ensemble that you're writing for is already established. Correct. Ah, yeah. so you're writing for uh, specific instruments and individual talents. Yeah, definitely. That's interesting. Yeah. 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 And it's, you know, and also the other thing is that we're kind of bringing Edna into that mix, you mm-hmm. know, and saying, you know, we know you're, you're, she's a brilliant performer and great songwriter. Yeah. And, but then we're going to thrust her into this situation that is, yeah. is different. I mean, her band is, she has a lot of jazz musicians in her band. Yeah. You know, and, and they play, there's a lot of freedom and, you know, uh, happening with her band, but uh-huh. this will be even more so, I think. And you know, so I think it's going to be a stretch for everybody, and yeah. and that's a lot of fun. But I know that you know all these people are going to handle it and do great. Well, Portland Jazz Composers Ensemble is known for its freedom, musical freedom. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's what it's known for. Definitely. You know? Yeah. Um, and, and it's not like, uh, and you wouldn't call it, because it's an old, uh, it's a misnomer, and it's archaic, but you wouldn't call it free jazz, because nobody calls anything free jazz anymore. Sure. Right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what do you call it? I mean, um, I, I, you know, yeah. I, I, I know part of your job must be to brand. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's true. So what do you call it? That's a, yeah, it's a tough one. I, I mean, I, I have no idea. I yeah. mean, when all you guys were young, and I first started covering Andy and all those, all those cats when I get, first got out of college, we used to call it indie jazz, yeah. which was a, a good little, good little you know, uh, thing to hang it on. But that's ridiculous now because yeah. everybody's over you know, in, in, in their mid-30s. <laughs> <And, laughs> right. you, know, yeah. you can't call it that anymore. Sure. Um, anyway, why would you want to? Yeah. But at that at that point, about at that point in time, about fifteen years ago, it meant something, you know, because it really differentiated it. Right. It also meant these, right. are, you know, we've got a bunch of young cats playing this stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I mean, I mean I'm not asking you to name it. Sit there and name it right sure. now. No, don't yeah. don't feel any pressure to give me a name that this very moment. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's good because I, I don't have one. I, I, know. I know. But I mean, I can. The, the way I've been answering that question is is, uh, and and I think more and more the way I've been trying to approach what I'm doing, you know, with the organization and what all of us are working towards is that we want to create um, a platform, mm-hmm. right? And so, uh, you know, and, and these, these wildly different projects, like what we're going to do with Edna, and then what we're going to then do in the spring with the Maxfield to Vanport project, those are, I mean, they're going to be wildly different. Mm-hmm. You know? um, tons of different musical material that's forming all this music and very different artists that are all doing it, but it's kind of the common core is that we have this ensemble. It's this, these, these 12 musicians... Um, and so I think, you know, what we're trying to do is create a platform and giving that platform to the artists that we think are going to do great things with it and then kind of give them, push them and give them the opportunity to do something they've never done before, you know, do something great. You know, I think that that's, that's more and more, I think, what we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then my, my job is to create that opportunity, mm-hmm. you know, and just get a band in, in those seats with the best players that I can and mm-hmm. make sure that they're getting paid something. Um, we're not paying them a lot, but we're paying yeah. enough to get them there yeah. and, you know, that they, they feel well-treated and, you know, they're treated fairly and they know they're going to have a great musical experience and they may not know exactly what that's going to sound like, but, um, but they're happy to be there. Yeah. And I, and I hope that the audience feels that way too. Yeah. That, doesn't say, that doesn't tell anybody what the music is. No, it doesn't. Not at all. <laughs> You're right. I think that I think that we've been we've been kind of I think we've been pushing our audience more and more to say the the PJCE is kind of at the center of just this kind of musical mixture that's happening in Portland and mm-hmm. we're the, we want to be mm-hmm. the ones that are mm-hmm. uh, we're, we're at the center of it. We want to kind of provide that anchor for it mm-hmm. and just, and to kind of big that, bring that bigger platform to it and mm-hmm. just say, you know, hey, we know you're doing some great work for your small group and we think you can do something for this bigger platform. Yeah. Um, so let's, so, you know, do it. Here's the opportunity. So It was much easier, though, in the past when you could say indie jazz or outside yeah. or free jazz yeah. or atonal or any of those, those labels from the past, you know? I Absolutely. mean. I, I, I wish there were. I wish. I wish there were a, a label or a brand where people could readily understand what you know, what, what, what you know, the, what the music is. 
you know? Yeah. But there isn't. No, I completely agree. Yeah. It's weird. I, it is. It is. And I, I think, but it's kind of, it makes a lot of sense given the way our culture is now. You know, I think right. that people are, right. yeah. people connect to, they might connect to a brand like to KMHD is a great example. You know, yeah. they're, they're going to say, it's like, I know just, if, I, if all I know is KMHD, I know that I'm going to get, you know, I think it's becoming more clear what KMHD's brand but that's is. So, right? but, but, but the station is so, so much more diverse than it yeah. ever was. Correct. Yeah. I mean, on any given day, you can hear everything from, from Bill Evans to Cecil Taylor, mm-hmm. you know, and everything right. in the middle to, yeah. to, uh, to, uh, uh, to Professor Longhair. You know, I mean, really, yeah. uh, it's, uh, and I guess that's the way, I, I, I guess you're right, by just being known as, as Portland Jazz Composers Ensemble, that in itself is a brand, Yeah. you know, mm-hmm. uh, that, that, uh, so people have some idea, at least of the, of, of the, the boundaries or lack of boundaries. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> well, I, I think that... Um, I think that kind of, I mean, getting, I mean, coming back to the branding idea, I mean, I think that people identify with artists more than with genres, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, I'm certainly not the first person to say that, but, you know, I think that when we, when we try then to shape our, our brand and like, what do we stand for? What do we do? And what Mm -hmm. do we want people to know Mm -hmm. about us that what we do, then we're, we're kind of saying, we're we're this platform through which all these artists are going to do some amazing things. Yeah. And yeah. So yeah. I, I think if if we can establish that as our kind of reputation, then I'd be happy with that. Yeah. 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 If we're if we're creating this opportunity for um, this art artist to do work that they've never gotten to do before, and mm-hmm. and they've always wanted to, and they're certainly capable of, mm-hmm. you know, I think that I'd be really happy about that mm-hmm. as a you know as a community a community resource. Yeah, that's what I'm looking for. Oh, you're a trumpet player. Yes, trumpet players have a distinct personality. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, when I was a kid, I learned that's 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 what I started to play. Okay. Was the trumpet, mm-hmm. and there's something that's just more out there, you know. And I guess that's why you're successful at fundraising. And, yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Sure. <laughs> yeah. Because. Uh, unlike all the other instruments, it is a loud instrument. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. there's no other instrument. For instance, when jazz was developing in New Orleans, that was known for being. You could hear it on the other side of the Mississippi River. I think that's that's apocryphal. Yeah. But I would like to think <laughs> right. that you could hear Buddy Bolden on the other side of the river. That's what they say about him. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah. When did you get your first trumpet? I was in sixth grade. Sixth grade. Yeah. yeah. Sixth grade band. I mean, yeah. I, w- I did the public school music yeah. band program, and that's how I learned music. Uh-huh. I mean, I, I did take some piano lessons, but, and I wish I hadn't quit, but I, my mom let me quit. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so, but yeah, I mean, that's how I learned. But yeah, I think, I mean, I think about the trumpet, yeah. I think we're all attracted to that same element of the trumpet that when yeah. you play it, yeah. you, you, you want to be heard. Yes. And, yeah. and so yeah. some people take that in some one direction and other people take it in another direction. But, right, right. Um, but yeah, I mean... Miles Davis was sort of more like, you better listen to this. Yeah, right. Yeah, you better listen. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Could blast when he, when he needed to. Uh-huh. But, yeah, you know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there are guys like Lester Bowie, one of the few people on earth who could make you laugh... From playing the trumpet. Right. 
<laughs> definitely, definitely. I was talking about him the other day. Uh, I was shooting a story on Dizzy Gillespie one time many years ago, and he showed up uh, at the shoot. It was at a, at a club in D.C., and, and, I, and he was drunk. And he, I kind of, and he kind of resented that I was in charge of the shoot. I don't know what was going on, right? So he started giving me a lot of shit. And then I had to go do some stuff. And my wife was sitting there, and she actually scolded him. <laughs> and then we all had fun, and we drove home and got high. Uh-huh. There you go. <laughs> drove him back to his hotel and got high. Was, <laughs> he was, he was amazing. He was just as, just as large a character as his music. Yeah, I, and I, just as funny. Yeah, just I'll as say. funny. Yeah. Huh. That's amazing. Anyway, um, so uh, was there a particular? It was what? What was it that drew you to the trumpet? Was it a player or the sound or what? I think really early on, um, my my older sister played flute in, uh-huh. in middle school band, and I just thought it was really cool and wanted uh-huh. to do it. So that it was as simple as that. It's just I thought it was really. Um, Why well, you know? Honestly, I remember getting. You know, those uh, goosebumps, you know, and like shivers. From, yeah. Just from hearing the middle school band, which uh-huh. now if I hear a middle school band, I right. it's not, you know, it's not shivers that I get. Yeah. It's shivers in, in a different way. Yeah. I get warm tinglies because, yeah, yeah. you know, bless their little hearts. Right. You know, but they have, it's so hard and they have so much to learn. And, yeah. You know, yeah. But um, so now like, um, so that's what got me started. So who was your, who was your first trumpet hero? Miles. Ah. Yeah. Definitely. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. In which period? <laughs> uh, I, I think the first, the first album I got was a compilation of the Blue Note period. Uh-huh. So it had like kind of, or, um, it had uh, Birth of the Cool. Yeah. And like the records kind of around that time. So I, yeah. you know, I think, and especially hearing Birth of the Cool, and then I remember soon after that I heard Sketches of Spain, like those those two albums, kind of with the large ensemble thing, you know. Yeah. So it kind of. Yeah. That has always been something that's been important to me. Like I've, I've always really liked large ensemble uh-huh. writing, and uh-huh. you know, and so I think these days, um, the only way to make that work is you know through fundraising and right. a nonprofit. So yeah. that's yeah. so that's where I am. It's not really a big surprise, I guess, that that's how I'm. That's how I'm doing what I'm doing now. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so when did when did you when did you feel like you found your own voice? Hmm. That's a that's a hard question. Yeah. Good. I guess I guess I felt. I mean, I've felt that way many times over the years, and yeah. then and then I look back and say, "Oh man, that was I was I was wrong." <laughs> right, right, right. Or or right. just that. Um, or I was right for that time, and then mm-hmm. and then my interest changed, and and but um, I I think now for sure now I can say there are certain things I do really well, and there yeah. are things I don't, and. You know, for instance, like, um, you know, I do not play the first trumpet part in this in this band, even though it's my organization. You know, really? and I'm kind of the the primary uh-huh. leader of it. Uh-huh. I play second trumpet because I I want a great trumpet player who who that's their first thing. Well, that's an that's know? an old axiom to have somebody in your band who plays better than you do. <laughs> yeah. That is yeah. an old musician's axiom. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> that's oh, a yeah. good one, too. If, I mean, if, if I, think, I think if I was the best trumpet player in the PJCE, we wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't have a great trumpet section. Who is first trumpet? Who is it? Yeah. Usually Thomas Barber. He's kind of our first yeah. call. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. Thomas is such an amazing leader musically. You uh-huh. know, he, he, I mean, he plays the trumpet so yeah. great and uh-huh. improvises so well but he's also a really clear 
um, musical leader. You know, he he shows mm -hmm. everyone exactly how we should play. You know, mm -hmm. and and if there's ever a time where I say, well, let's try it this way, a little more this than that, he can change in a dime. You wow. know, and yeah. and and make it work, and then and then the whole band knows exactly what to do. Huh. So finding that kind of leadership is is hard, and and Thomas is is my first oh. go to guy for that. Given your responsibilities to to the, the ensemble and the organization, do you find you have enough time for your own music? Um, it's a struggle. Yeah, yeah, because I, I mean, more and more um, as I've been kind of moving the organization more and more towards what I want it to be doing, which is yeah. this season is a it's like the whole season from beginning to end is really like, I really feel like we've kind of arrived at that point. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so, but to, to maintain that takes a lot of energy, a lot of fundraising, you know, just to, to keep it going. Um, and so, yeah, it is a, it is a challenge to be still producing my own work as an artist and, and do, it's, do, it's a challenge. Do you play every day? Um, I do. You do? I do. I don't play the trumpet every day and I don't play a lot, but, um, what what other instruments would you play? Uh, I've been the last couple of years. I've been playing the banjo a lot. Seriously? Yeah, that's I great. Play, I play claw hammer banjo, which is huh? kind of the older, um, kind of older rural. Folk so you style you frail? Banjo. I do, I do. I frail. <laughs> yes, yes. The frailing banjo. Yeah. So I've been I've been doing that. Um, I just recently formed a new quartet that uh -huh. has. Um, it's kind of it's kind of incorporating everything. I, I think. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's me playing banjo and some trumpet, and then and singing original songs, and uh -huh. and with uh, Bill Marsh on acoustic guitar, uh -huh. Andy Rayborn on bass clarinet, and then Lauren Elledge on viola. Wow! So it's it's a it's come together. We've we made a we made an EP that we're we're now kind of working on releasing, and we'll put out. Does it have a like year. a mountain kind of sound to it? Yeah. Wow, that's kind of that's kind of the starting place, and then uh -huh. we add in chamber music and jazz, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. some other stuff. So, but yeah, that's that's kind of the thing with it. That sounds fun. Yeah, it's cool. It's yeah, long. yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm. I'm. But I, you know, so because banjo and singing is is new to me, I mm -hmm. still have a lot of work to do to just feel really, really comfortable with it. Like yeah. it feels fine, but it's not. I think it's still coming to the level where I, you know, I feel really comfortable yeah i feel yeah. comfortable but not really comfortable so i'm, I'm <laughs> still working on that and practicing well, that's probably so. good it's probably a good thing yeah you yeah know? well yeah, you don't want to feel too comfortable <laughs> <laughs> yeah i agree yeah. um so but uh, uh pjce is also a record label mm -hmm. and i was it's it's great to have it because after dusty york closed dyadic there was a big vacuum yeah because dyadic was a was amazing that was amazing. They recorded everybody. Yeah. And Dusty is my baseball buddy. Ah, good. <laughs> he, he, he's been in here. He's a stand-up comedian now. You know that? I've heard, yeah. <laughs> uh -huh. But uh, it was, it was, a, it was a, a, a big blow when he closed the label. You know, I don't know that anybody ever made any money. I know he didn't. Yeah. Uh, but it's still, you know, he recorded every, every young cat in town. Mm. He yeah. recorded Gordon Lee, yeah. Dave Frischberg. I mean, it was yeah. amazing, you know. Uh, so, what what is the is is the aim of the label to record people in the ensemble, or what is the aim of the label? The uh, the label has kind of changed a lot. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, just like a crash course on the history of it. I mean, when they first started it, Andrew Oliver and Dan Duvall 
wanted to put out an album every month. And it I was, remember. Yeah, right. <laughs> it was a disaster. It was like, yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, it was super ambitious, and it, they both burned out trying to keep up with it. And so what we, you know, we, we decided later on, when I joined as the executive director, we said, okay, well, 12, 12 albums a year is too many. Yes. Um, let's try to do maybe four or five, six, you know, half that. And yeah. So we certainly did that. Um, I think now... But even just in that time, like over the last two, three years, mm-hmm. um, things have been different because people are not coming to us with projects as much. Really? And, and so I, we've been talking about it a lot. And, uh, you know, with Ryan Marr and I have been talking about it to say, you know, what's going on? Do you think our people, it's possible they don't want to work with us? I mean, that's certainly a possibility. But, mm-hmm. I mean, all, the other thing that's come up a lot is, especially the young players, they... You know, it's expensive to make an album, and they they don't see the value in it, I guess, or, or they they can't they can't afford it, they can't justify it. Yeah. And yeah. so, I mean, we you know we we have a very limited budget, and we can't just we can't just pay all the costs to make a record. So right. it, it has to be a partnership. But you know, we I think the next evolution of the label is going to be to try to address that problem somehow. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not mm-hmm. sure how we're going to do it, but um, I think one thing is that. Um, when I look at you know who's getting rack grants for instance the regional arts and culture council yeah there are not nearly as many jazz musicians as I wish right and it's not rack's fault I think it's our fault yeah I think it's yeah. um, I think the jazz yeah. community maybe they just they don't quite have the skills they don't have the, the familiarity with how that process works and mm-hmm. so that's maybe one way we can we can help the community and say mm-hmm. well here's what they're looking for. Um, so I'm hoping to put an event together where we're maybe we'll, we'll we'll just teach about you're a jazz musician. This is how you can get a rack grant because I think you know we have to figure that out because because there's it's it's just as vital as it ever was for a young musician to have a recording. You know they need yeah. to have a good recording that shows what they sound like. Right. And the the need for that is just as great as it ever was. But now it's it's even tougher because you can't expect to sell hardly any copies of the record and make right. money back that way right. but you still have to have it so yeah. it's a tough situation yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that addressing that issue is going to be the, that's going to be the next evolution I, don't, I have no idea what that's going to look like but that's, that's the problem I'm seeing in the community with it now and um, so I think we'll, we'll try to adapt and try to address that somehow what's the next release? I don't even know right now. Okay. We don't have one in the pipe. We have, right. we have a few people that are close to finished, and uh-huh. so I, but I can't even... You should, you should interview Ryan Marr, and he can tell you more. <laughs> I've done that, except we end up talking about baseball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. Just fine. You know? Yeah. There's a lot of people who are like that. You, you, never, you, never, you never know... Um, what's his name from... Um, Blue Cranes uh, is a Detroit Tigers fan. Oh. And he and I got into a big argument at one of the, one of the, one of the, uh, the Montevilla Jazz Festivals. By the way, how did, how did that go this year? I was, I was unable to get there because of, of gigs and stuff. Mm. It went, I thought it was the best yet. Really? Yeah, definitely. I really wanted to see the quads do the Durkin. Oh, yeah. yeah I really, I mean, I had, you know, I had, I had Mary Sue in here talking about it. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, you know, prior to it. But, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, and it was lots of stuff. It, um, that's just in line with the rest of what, what the organization does, right? Do you, uh, you mean of MJF? Or? Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not sure what you mean. 
Well, I mean, it sort of parallels the Portland jazz composers ensemble. Oh, I see. Right? I think there, there's many, many, many things in common, yeah. Yeah. And I, I think... Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're focused on original music. They want to build a platform. Yeah. You know, and, you know, having that a festival dedicated to new music by local players, they're the only ones doing it. Well, yeah. that's not totally true, but they're the, they're the biggest. I think they're doing it the best. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think they're doing yeah. a really great job of casting a really wide net and getting mm-hmm. a lot of different players that are doing different kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's really great. And, but then the other thing, kind of the other half of their mission is just to create a, this great, you know, uh, cultural product in mm-hmm. the Montevilla neighborhood, mm-hmm. which is, that's just great. And that's not something the PJCE can do, you know, since we're not located in just one place, right. we're kind of working all over the state now. So, yeah. I mean, it's great that they are, focused on being inclusive in their neighborhood and uh-huh. I think that's it's just awesome and I'm, I'm so yeah. glad to see that they're being really successful with what they're doing do you get to gig much anymore not a lot really <laughs> no. you miss it some of it yeah <laughs> but, I, but I don't like I, I mean I never I never liked um, when people would call up and say oh we're you know it's a, it's a restaurant just bring your real book and no rehearsal and and that was never very much fun for me yeah and so that kind of thing i don't miss that at all but um uh but yeah i would like to be playing more it's it's probably um but the biggest factor in that honestly is not so much the scene it's it's more that i had two little kids so yeah uh, i have yeah. a two-year-old and a four-year-old oh boy and, and they're a handful <laughs> so so how many trumpets do you own Tr- how many trumpets yeah i think i own four right four? now yeah <laughs> What's your favorite? Um, well, you know, uh, huh, yeah, I, to, I haven't gotten that question in a long time, but <laughs> I'm actually... Well, I always like to I've ask been, people about gear. When I was doing sports, yeah. I would ask the catcher about his catcher's mitt. He said, nobody ever asked me about that. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I mean, <laughs> I know. Like, yeah. with, with, if, it's, if we're, you know, you're with a bunch of trumpet players, we're going right. to talk about gear. Yeah, like, of course. You know. But then outside of that little group, nobody cares. No, but, but I think I don't see. Yeah. I don't think that's true. They may <laughs> yeah. not ask you about it, but yeah, yeah. but no, you know, I, people want to know these kinds of things. Sure, so, okay. what's your favorite? Um, I mean, I, I, I. Or do you have different trumpets for for different things? Yeah, they're for different things. I mean, really? yeah. I mean, you you have kind of a standard B flat trumpet uh-huh. and that. That's what most ensemble playing is going to be. Yeah. Most jazz players focus on a B flat trumpet. Yeah. Um, I play the flugelhorn a lot, and I, I really, really like the flugelhorn. Uh-huh. Something I've wanted, been wanting to do is to buy a cornet, um, uh-huh. which is kind of, it's an instrument that's physically, it's kind of halfway between a trumpet and a flugelhorn. Like right. It has characteristics of both, uh-huh. and the sound is kind of something that's in between the yeah. two. Like it, it's yeah. a little more mellow like a flugelhorn, but you still have... Um, some of the more dynamic and range flexibility of a of the trumpet, because so, uh-huh. uh-huh. the flugelhorn has things it can do that a trumpet can't, but um, it also has some other limitations that that, uh-huh. are, that are just part of the instrument. So, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, so I've been wanting to get a, a cornet, and I just you know there's just a lot going on. <laughs> so, do you have a favorite brand? Um, a favorite. Brand? I usually play a Bach. Yeah. I mean, and and Bach trumpets have been. You know, for a long time they've been 
they've been kind of an industry standard. I mean, they're, mm-hmm. but, they, but they are a mass-produced horn. You know, mm-hmm. they're not like custom mm-hmm. handmade instruments. Um, and I, you know, I think with the the custom handmade instruments, then you're getting into you're getting into an instrument that costs ten thousand dollars, right? Compared to a, a Bach trumpet, you know, it's mass-produced. It costs three thousand. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. usually. I mean, that's the math people are doing, and they're like, yeah, hmm, "Well, yeah. should I buy this Bach trumpet? That's a very good instrument for three thousand dollars, or should I?" I mean, I think buying a handmade instrument is great. I would love to do that, but yeah, yeah. I mean, if you could, if 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 you had unlimited funds and you could walk into David Monet's tomorrow, what would what would you want him to build you? Hmm. <laughs> What's that's your fantasy? Question. Your fantasy trumpet? Wow. You know, um, he, Dave Monette built a horn for Ron Miles, mm-hmm. who's one of my favorite. I love players. that. Love that. Yeah. Man, oh, man. Yeah. But it's, uh, uh, he made him a G trumpet yeah. uh, in the last few years. And actually, yeah. that's not the instrument I would oh. want. But the, the instrument he made for Ron before that was a cornet. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. And so it's just kind of Dave Monette's take on a cornet yeah yeah that's what i would want is that what you want that's what i would want yeah well maybe if you're listening dave maybe maybe it went powerball (laughs) yeah uh well well listen uh thank you thanks so much for stopping by this has been really interesting i think um uh, you know, good luck with all these things, and yeah, and uh, I wish I had had more time and and had been better talented when you asked me to be on the board, but it didn't. Oh. You know, we. Uh, you know, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah, we. You know, was, we also were learning how to have have a board at that. Or not, yeah, not to how to have a board, but we were, yeah. we were learning like. What do we ask of a board member? And we're, right. still, we're still we're still learning that. Yeah, um, it's okay. But yeah, it's okay. Because I, I know you're really busy too. And yeah, yeah. Most most of the people on the board are now. Yeah, that's not true. But a lot of a lot of them are retired from their careers, right? So they're able to right. kind of yeah. Yeah. put time into right. doing it. And, right. and you're out here working hard all the time, yeah. so you know. Well, I'm sure this is a great gig for you. It's it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. Right. it's been maddeningly difficult, um, and that's been part of the fun. Well, best of luck, and thanks for stopping by. Thank